Tonight we're back in our study of Proverbs. As we begin tonight, I want to once again, again, we've done it several times, but once again, I want to lay out the truth and the importance of what we're doing here tonight. This morning was Senior Recognition Sunday. As I was looking at their faces, and I was thinking not only of their faces, but all the faces that have been there before, been in that same spot, I was reminded their hope, their shelter, their peace, their blessing, their ability to stand, their foundation is in their turning to and they're relying on the Word of God. Very simply, here they go into the world and their foundation, their ability to stand, their hope, their blessing will be in their turning to and they're relying on the Word of God. What I said this morning keeps coming into my mind. Uh, in the days and the years that are ahead, they're going to make profound decisions. Now, I said it this morning, what a weird time to make such big decisions these five or eight years after they leave here, but they're going to make profound decisions, and they're going to be living in the days when Satan and the world are going to try their hardest to separate them from the direction of the Word of God. And I've been thinking about that. Here are these great decisions, profound decisions, going to have a great impact, and they will make those decisions in a time period when the world and when Satan are going to try to separate them from the Word of God. Now, while I was thinking about them, that, that is true of all of us, of each of us. Satan in the world leads us to move through our lives, to travel through our lives, and to miss the direction of the Word of God. Now, I don't know if we think, well, I'm too busy well, I understand how to go to heaven, or well, I can't understand the depth of all of that. But the world and Satan have led us to go through our life and to neglect the direction that we have in the Word of God. This morning, Brenna read sections of Psalm 119. She encouraged our, our seniors to read it all. I would tell you to do the, the same thing tonight. But one of those verses, verse 24, says your testimonies, talking about God's Word, His, His Word, your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. And that's what the psalmist says. Your words, they are my counselors. Now, a counselor is one that, that gives direction. We live in a day where we pay someone lots of times to be our counselor. A counselor gives wisdom. Well, the Bible says God's Word counsels us and serves as our counselor. So let me just tell you, what are we doing tonight? Why come back here tonight? Why invest the time to study God's Word? Why listen in to our message tonight? It is because we are sitting under the counsel of God. Now you could say it like this, we're in counseling tonight. God is counseling us. We are sitting under His counsel tonight. We are receiving His direction. We are hearing His wisdom. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. I don't know how we impress that upon folks. It is a big deal to sit under the counsel of the Word of God. So that's what we're doing tonight. That's where we start back tonight. We're in chapter 21. We're going to start back tonight with verse 7. Proverbs chapter 21, tonight jumping back in at verse 7. Verse 7 says this, the violence of the wicked will drag them away because they refuse to act with justice. Listen to that again. The violence of the wicked will drag them away because they refuse 
to act with justice. Now, here's what we've learned. The wicked turn to violence. Violence always escalates. And if you watch the course of life, you watch the pattern of life, the wicked turn to violence, and violence always escalates. Well, verse 7 tells us the violence of the wicked will be their downfall. Sometimes we think, well, they're going to push through, they're going to get their way, but the violence of the wicked will be their downfall. It says it will drag them away. Now, the picture here is being chained and taken into slavery. That's what the verse is talking about. Their violence is going to chain them up and take them away, drag them into slavery. The vile anger, the violence of a wicked person enslaves them, traps them. It doesn't bring a good result. It for sure doesn't bring freedom. The violence of the wicked person, it literally enslaves, it traps them. Verse 7 gives the motivation. It says, because they refuse to act in justice, justly, in justice. The word for justice means fair, righteous, equitable, morally correct. They refuse to be just, and so they turn to violence. They know what it means. They refuse to do it, and so they turn to violence. Now, I want you to think about that. I was, I was thinking about that. How many times does a conflict escalate and rise to violence because somebody will not admit wrongdoing or won't do the right thing? And you watch that, there'll be folks, and there's conflicts all the time. Conflict is normal, but it turns to violence. It flows into violence because there's a person that is obstinate in their wrongness. They can't defend it. They have no answer for it. It is wrong, and they're obstinate in their wrongness, and so they strike out, and they become violent. How many times have you seen that? They decide, you know what, we're going to overpower righteousness. We can't argue against it, and they become violent. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, how many times do you see the people seek to kill the messenger of righteousness. I was reading this afternoon in Jeremiah. It says they sought to take his life. He brings the word of the Lord. They seek to kill him because of the message. The violence of the wicked will drag them away because they refuse to act with justice. All right, verse 8. The way of a guilty man is crooked, but as for the pure, his conduct is upright. The way of a guilty man is crooked, but as for the pure, his conduct is upright. Now, I want you to see this tonight. The character of a person is revealed in their actions. Now, sometimes we would like to try to separate that, but that's what God says, and that's really the pattern of life. A person's character will be shown, will be demonstrated, will be revealed in their actions. Now, if they are a good person, they will have good actions. You watch the pattern of their life, the walk of their life, and if they are a good person, it will be confirmed with good actions. But if they do not have visible good actions, 
you cannot call them good. Now, that just makes sense. If somebody's robbing somebody, if somebody's stealing from somebody, if somebody's abusing somebody, you can't come along and say, well, that's a good person. We have to excuse their actions. It says the way of the guilty man, the way of the guilty is doing evil, is crooked. The guilty man that is doing evil is crooked. Now, it's interesting we've seen that word crooked several times as we've passed through the Proverbs. It's a word in the original language, in the Hebrew, that means twisted. Their way isn't straight, it is twisted. It's another word for perverted or not straight. And so the way of this evil man, this, this person that, that operates in guilt because they're doing evil, their way is twisted. It's not straight, it's perverted. The pure, however, their conduct is upright. That's what the Bible says. It's a word that means straight, correct, righteous. Now, there's two takeaways from this verse. There may be more, but there's at least two takeaways from this verse. Now, the two things we ought to look at in this verse or see in this verse, first is this. First, it's talking about what you see in others. That's the first thing we see, what you see in others. Now, it is a warning when you see bad actions, you're dealing with a person of bad character. And so when we read this, we're to be warned. Hey, I see your actions. They're bad actions. They're crooked actions. And so I'm warned of the type of person that you are. And so the first thing, what you see in others. Now, the second takeaway is this, what others see in you. What others see in you. It's double-sided. You see Bad actions reflect a bad character. Good actions reflect a good character. And so the question is, what are you revealing about your heart in your actions? All right, moving to verse 9. Verse 9 is kind of a famous verse. It says this. It is better to live in a corner of a roof than a, in a house shared with a contentious Woman, It is better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. I've noticed this. No one ever says amen. No men ever say amen <laughs> right there. Let me explain this to you. In this culture, their house would have a flat roof. Uh, they would have stairs that would go up to the top of their roof. Uh, the stairs would generally be outside of the house. They would go outside of the house, make their way up the stairs, on the roof, they would have a patio. They would use that space to be a place to sit in the cool of the evenings. Maybe, maybe in a hot time, they would spend more time up there. They would eat up there generally. Well, the proverb says it's better to live on the roof. In fact, it says in the corner of the roof, outside, where it's hot, where it's cold, where there's bugs, where there's dirt, where there's barking dogs. It's better to live on the roof in the corner of the roof than it is to be inside the house with a contentious woman. Now, let me explain this. The word contentious in the original language means quarrelsome. Uh, it, it really has a big meaning, a broad meaning. It means a person that causes conflict. They're, they're, they're not just upset about something. They cause the conflict. It's a, it's a person that causes trouble that stirs up strife, 
that, that stirs up agitation. Now, I want to say this, and I think it's important. Now, you might say, why is it always talking about women, the woman? Why does it say the wife right here? The wife, oh, a contentious woman, a contentious wife. Why does it say that? Well, I want you to understand, it really could be talking about any person. It is written by Solomon, and as a man, he had wives. And so he wouldn't talk about a husband. His experience was with a wife. And so when he frames it, he frames it as a wife. But it could be talking about any person. Any person that is foul, that is, here's my word, lippy, that is a pot stirrer, that causes trouble, that cannot be happy. It is warning us of that person. It's better to live on the roof in the corner of the roof outside than it is with a person that cannot be happy, that causes contention at every turn. It's, it's a warning about that. Now, here's maybe the greatest part of that warning. If you're single, don't marry that person. Don't marry that person. I was thinking about the decisions that these kids will make in the next five to eight years. Do you know a lot of them will end up married in that time? They will pick a spouse in that time. Do you know it's a dangerous thing to pick your spouse outside of the standard of the Word of God. Do you know, had they been here tonight, a whole bunch of single folks, they would know this. When you find a contentious person, you know what you do? You don't excuse it. You walk away. You run from that person. If you're married, I'm sorry. It may be too late for you. <laughs> All right, verse 10. They're going to cut that out of the video later. Verse 10. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. Now listen, this is what God tells us. This is his wisdom. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. The heart of the wicked, the, the core desire of the evil person, the wicked person, that's what they seek, that's what they desire, that's what they promote. It says, as a warning, here is a symptom of that type of heart. His neighbors find no favor in their eyes, in his eyes. Now, what that literally means is this. They show no grace to those that are close to them. That's the most literal translation. This person that is evil, that is wicked, those that are close to him, they find no mercy, they find no grace in that person. They show their neighbors no kindness. They cannot love their neighbor. To love means to, to serve at the sacrifice and the cost of self. They do not love their neighbors because they're not good-hearted. Their neighbor, those that are close to them, are treated poorly. Now, I want you to think about that. It, it basically simply means this. They show no mercy to people. They, they have no second chance. They're not able to overlook an offense. They're upset all the time. They're not able to show mercy to people. You know what? You didn't mow your yard. You know what? Your trash blew over here. You know what? Your kids are too loud and they parked in the street. They're not able to show mercy to people. It goes into every, really, relationship of life. The bottom line is this person, evil of their heart, they're not able to be merciful to people. Now, I want you to notice this. So far tonight, over and over and over, the character of the person shows up in their actions. 
And I want you to think about that. Isn't that what we're seeing? The violent person, you know what? It's a, it's a matter of their heart. The nagging, unhappy person that's not satisfied, that has to stir up contention, it's a matter of their heart. The, the crooked person, it is a matter of their heart. A person's heart, a person's character shows up in their actions. Notice that in others. Be sure of that in yourself. All right, verse 10. Let me read 10 again. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. All right, verse 11. When the scoffer is punished, the naive becomes wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. Now, verse 11 is a great verse of instruction. And I, I'm glad you're here to hear this. I wish a whole lot of folks were, were going to hear this tonight. Maybe some way they will hear this. Verse 11 is a great verse of instruction. How do we do better? Isn't that the question? So how do we do better? How do we produce and grow people that are better? The biggest context, now there's a lot of ways this could, this could play out, but the biggest context is talking about in our home. As a parent, how do you produce, how do you have a home that encourages kids that love God, kids that know and use godly wisdom, and kids that are kind and have the heart of Christ? And that's a pretty good question. That's the goal. We see all these other results from not having it or, or from having it, but how do you do better? How do you produce kids, people that love God, that use and know godly wisdom, and that have kind, Christ-like hearts. Now, I want you to watch the words here. The words are very important. Watch these words. When the scoffer is punished. Now, we're going to go very slow. When the scoffer is punished. Now, we have to understand the scoffer. The scoffer is a specific individual. The scoffer is the one who has heard the right thing. They have the right directions, but they reject it. That's a scoffer. They scoff at the truth. They scoff at the direction. They have rebelled. I've heard the rule. I've heard the standard, and they have rebelled against it. They've scoffed against it. Now, here's this. Their answer is to be punished. That's what the verse says. When the scoffer is punished, when you look up that word punished in the original language, it has a punitive understanding. It is a punishment. It costs them. That punishment actually costs them. Now, I can think of a couple ways that you could punish somebody that costs them. There's a couple ways you can figure that out. A scoffer is to be punished. Here's what it means. It means the standard is upheld. Okay, we have a standard, and the standard is upheld. When this happens, they are corrected. They've rebelled. They are corrected. But there's, a, but there's another benefit of it. The naive becomes wise. So I want you to see this. Here's a standard. They have rebelled against the standard. They have scoffed. They have been punished. When they are punished, they are corrected. But here's the added benefit. And, and the naive, those that don't know, that's what that word means, 
Those that don't know, those that are watching, they become wise. Now, it means this, our example's in the home. The standard is set, and when the standard is upheld, even the other onlookers, the other kids, will grow in wisdom. <laughs> One of the things that drives me crazy is when I watch a home, a parent, a set of parents, and they've got some kid, and I, I'll just say it, they're just a little monster. You ever seen a kid, they're just a little monster. They're ripping stuff up, tearing stuff up, poking people in the eye, loud, just hard to control. And one of the things that drives me crazy is for the parents to say, oh, you're in trouble. Buster, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you do that again, boom, you're in trouble. They do it again. If you jump over that pew, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And you know what that little kid knows? They're not in trouble. <laughs> They're, I'm not in trouble. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. If you, you're going to get it. They're doing it as they're telling them, you're going to get it. You know what that kid knows? They're not going to get it. You know what? The entire house is taking note. And there may be a, a younger kid and a younger kid, and you know what they're figuring out? We're not going to get it. There's no trouble here. There's not going to be a standard that is upheld. But listen to this. When you punish the scoffer, when you hold the standard, when you punish the rebel, those that are naive, those that don't even know, they're watching, and they gain wisdom. It says, but. So here's one situation. Here's a person that knows the truth. They reject the truth. They are punished. That's what's supposed to happen. When you hold the standard and punish them, everybody else sees the standard. But when the wise, now the wise, this is the person, a wise person, they are growing. They are listening. They are trying. Their foundation is being built. When they are instructed, but when the wise is instructed, the word instructed means taught. It is it's not just a passing on or reciting of information. It means they are taught. The, the, the truth is explained. The truth is laid out and it's made clear, understandable. Maybe you have to use examples. Maybe you have to invest time. But when you have a, a, a person that is wise, that is growing in truth, and you instruct them, it says, he receives, takes in knowledge. The word knowledge, truth, information, wisdom. They are learning. They're taking in truth, information, wisdom. So see this tonight from our verse. Two things take place in the process. Two things take place in verse 11. There is discipline and there is instruction. Now, here's what we see in the verse. Both are needed. Both are necessary, and both have their place in God's plan. Now, I want you to watch this, and I want you to think about our world today. There are some folks, and they are disciplining, but they're not instructing. And I, I can see those folks they're yelling, they're loud, they're throwing shoes, they're disciplining, but there's no instruction. 
And then there's some folks, and you watch how their house works, how, how their household works, and they're instructing, but they're not disciplining. And so they're sitting there and saying, well, this is this, and this is this, and do you want to make good choices? And they're instructing, but there's no discipline. Discipline without instruction doesn't work. Instruction without discipline doesn't work. The standard's not upheld. See this. Both of those things take effort. I think that's the problem. Both of those things require time. Both of those things require thought. Both of them are an investment and a cost on the parent. You see, the one that's going to have to spend the time instructing and teaching, the one that's going to have to hold the standard of discipline, it is the parent. And so both of those things require an investment and a cost of the parent. And so watch this. And so today, many are doing neither. Man, look at the kids today. Look at the schools today. People say, it's not like how it used to be. Many people, because of the cost, are doing neither. Yet in God's plan, we see the requirement. It is discipline and it is instruction. All right, I'm going to stop right there tonight. But I want you to see this. In all of this, I read these verses. I, I see the truth of these verses. Your, your character reveals your heart. Your heart shows it up in your actions. I keep coming back to this. There's something else to remember. All of these issues are matters of the heart. The crooked person, guess what that is? It's a matter of the heart. The, the rebel person that knows the truth and, and scoffs and disobeys, it's a matter of the heart. The foul person that's contentious in their home, it is a matter of the heart. Here's the question tonight. Do you know who changes hearts? It's Jesus. You know who gives new hearts? It's Jesus. Do you know who encourages our hearts? It is Jesus. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Holy Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for your truth. Just these six verses. I pray that we think about them. I pray that we consider them. I pray, Lord, that we're shaped by them. I pray, Lord, that they bear fruit, that you're able to speak to us tonight. I pray for whatever stage of life we're in tonight, whatever we needed to glean, that we, we received it. And I pray, Lord, that we possess godly wisdom leaving here more than when we came in. I pray for those that are listening in a different mean tonight. I, I pray that they're growing in your wisdom as well. And I pray, Lord, that taking in your truth, hearing, being shaped by your truth, that there's peace in our homes, yes, peace in our lives, yes. But most of all, that you would be known and you'd be glorified. Lord, we come as we close out this Lord's Day and we just praise you. We're thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful for the opportunity to, to come together and set the tone of worship for the week. I pray that it carries out of here, that it flows out of here, that the rest of our days as we start this week are centered and focused upon you. And Lord, we just come and tell you we love you. We, we thank you for your grace, for your kindness. And we just end by saying, Lord Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name.